Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that will help you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. Together, for you. Welcome to episode 49 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I am your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, You may notice my voice is still not 100%, so I apologize if it gets a little crackly through um, this episode. All right, so if you're just joining in, I really encourage you to go back and make sure you check out uh, older episodes of this podcast because this is episode 49 now, so we're starting to build a ton of information. So if you're trying to figure out your own weight and you need some motivation and you need some tips, there's so much information in these past episodes. So go back and check them out. To introduce myself, if you're just joining, I am a family physician and an obesity medicine physician in Canada, and I am a weight coach for physicians. So I help you go from not really believing you can lose weight and not really knowing how to do it to knowing exactly what to do and believing that you absolutely can do whatever you decide to do with your weight. In today's episode, we're going to talk about believing, and this is going to be a two-part series this episode and next week's. This week, we're going to talk about beliefs that might be holding you back. So some hidden beliefs that might be there that get in your way of losing weight or sticking to your plan and things like that. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about harnessing beliefs so that they propel you forward uh, and uh, make them work for you, which is such a powerful tool. All right, so let's talk about beliefs. Now, some of this stuff we have talked about on other episodes, but beliefs really at the core are one of the most important things you can do when you're trying to lose weight and keep it off. And so I think it's important that we talk about it multiple times and we talk about it from slightly different angles and just give it different opportunities for it to sink into your brain. Let's talk about what a belief is. So a belief is truly just a thought that you have thought enough that it feels true. So beliefs feel very factual to us, but it's really just a thought that we've thought enough that it feels true. And by thinking that thought enough, we also have looked for evidence to support that belief But we look for evidence to support that belief only because we keep thinking the thought. So we're directing our brain to find evidence to support that belief. And I think that's a really important aspect when you're starting to kind of untangle this in your own mind is that belief that feels so factual and all the evidence that you have to show yourself about it is really just generated from the original thought. And If you're not actively directing your brain where to find evidence, our brains always default to kind of the negative side of stuff. So I think these beliefs that we're going to talk about today are really important to talk about because they're what our brains often will kind of default to. And when it's defaulted to it, if you're not intentionally managing it around some of these beliefs, it will just spend time gathering evidence to show you how all of these limiting beliefs that we're going to talk about are true. And then they feel more real. They feel more factual. They feel harder to believe that it could ever be a different way. And I think when we're talking about beliefs, one of the biggest things to recognize and start to be aware of is that beliefs are optional. That means 
and this may be the first time you've heard this or you've heard me say similar if you listen to this podcast, but beliefs are not written in stone, though they sometimes feel that way. And you don't have to believe something, even if you've spent your entire life believing it, even if other people told you to believe it, you can still decide that that's an optional belief and you're choosing not to believe it anymore. And so when we're talking about weight stuff, often we carry beliefs about ourselves, about our body, about our ability to lose weight, whether our size is right from childhood. And some of that is things we picked up when we were as a child and some things were told to us directly. Uh, And those things that if you've carried stuff like that with you since you were a child, it will feel very, very just concrete and factual. Because when you learned it, you were very concrete. Your brain was in a kind of more of a concrete thinking stage. But as an adult, you now can look at and pull it out and decide if it actually serves you and decide if you want to continue believing it. And what I'm going to argue today is I think there's a whole lot of beliefs that we all carry with us. I still do too. I'm still uncovering some of these that don't serve us in any way and they actually hold us back in our weight loss. And if we just ignore them and we just don't even look at them, because they feel kind of icky, some of these beliefs, right? Um, They generate a bit of negative emotion. So if we just try and ignore them, then they're still working in the background and they end up where we end up sabotaging ourselves or stopping what we're trying to do or um, continually tripping up and we're not really sure how. So it's only through truly uncovering these beliefs and really pulling them out of the closet, holding them up to the light, deciding whether or not you like it. And uh, if you don't, getting rid of it. So kind of the Marie Kondo method of belief system is you actually look at it and you hold it and you examine it and decide, do I want to keep it? Does it spark joy? If it doesn't spark joy, send it along. Now, some of you, when we talk about this, are going to be thinking, yeah, but then this feels so true. How could it not be true? Or how do I believe something else if I've spent my life believing this one thing? And the answer is simple, though you may think I'm oversimplifying it, but really you just have to start believing something else. So you make a conscious decision, you choose a belief that you think will serve you, and you start thinking that over and over again. And when your brain defaults to these old beliefs that you know don't offer any benefit to you, you just catch it and you remind it. So it's not that you get angry at yourself, you're always compassionate with yourself, and you just go, oh, yeah, that's an old habit, but remember, we don't believe that anymore. This is what we believe now. And you practice it over and over again. And you may have to be patient. Some of these, especially the ones since childhood, are going to be really deeply ingrained. And so your brain is used to thinking these. It's used to going through this pattern. And that means it will probably take some time to uh, switch it over to the new one. And it will take practice, just like anything else that you've had to learn from scratch. So if it doesn't work immediately, don't assume it won't work. Just practice it more. Okay. And I think an important thing is you can choose to believe a new thing without actually having evidence that it's true. So you can choose a new belief, decide to believe it. And then what will happen is your brain then will go out and find you evidence that it's true. And so just like when we leave our brains alone and they look for the negative evidence, when you choose new beliefs and you 
focus it towards the positive, your brain will look for evidence supporting those positive beliefs, which is really cool. And it's a really powerful thing to know about your brain and use your brain to the full capacity. So I have a bunch, I have 10 different beliefs that I wrote down that I hear a lot of with the people I work with. And I wanted to go through each of them, but by no means is this an exhaustive list. What I challenge you to do is actually spending some time and thinking about what are your own negative beliefs? What are thoughts that you have that feel so true, but maybe they're actually holding you back in your weight loss? And I'd be really interested to hear your different uh, opinions and what your different beliefs are. So send them to me at info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. All right, let's get going with our 10 sneaky beliefs. Sneaky belief number one, I can't lose weight. So many people I work with have an element of this and the evidence their brain uses for it is looking back at past weight loss attempts and the fact they haven't lost the weight that they want to lose. But this belief, if you think I can't lose weight, it's going to generate an emotion and it's going to impact your actions in a way that will result in you probably not losing weight. Now, as an obesity medicine physician, I know that weight and different sizes that we are is a complex thing. There's so many different things within our body that influence our weight, our appetite, everything like that. But I really do believe that regardless of what your body does, like everybody handles weight differently. But if you have this belief that you can't lose weight, which is born of your brain, you won't be able to. And if you can work on believing, you will have some success. Again, you know, everybody's different. So I can't guarantee success of certain magnitudes for everybody. I think you have to see what your body does, but believing And getting rid of this belief that you can't do it is one of the really important first steps. Sneaky belief number two, I can't stop eating blank or I can't stop binge eating. Um, So something along that lines, I can't stop. And that's a really disempowering belief because it assumes that you're not in control and you don't hold any power. And that doesn't feel very good. And as long as you believe you could never stop eating blank, like for me, right, I've talked about it so much, but my thing was the Wendy's French fries. I really, I think for a lot of years believed I couldn't figure out how to stop eating Wendy's French fries. And guess what? I didn't until I decided that I had the tools that would let me stop eating Wendy's French fries. And guess what? They did. So watch yourself if you're saying I could never stop eating bread. I could never stop eating sugar. I can never stop eating ice cream, whatever your particular thing is, or like the binge eating. So I could never picture myself not binge eating. Those are all our self-fulfilling prophecies. So if you're thinking those, the likelihood is you won't be able to do that stuff. Sneaky belief number three is weight loss is hard. And now this is one that is told to us from society, from the media, it's even told to me through the obesity medicine uh, stuff. But weight loss being hard is born in your mind. It's your, your thoughts about weight loss. 
I can stand here and tell you weight loss doesn't have to be hard. It can actually feel simple and it can have a sense of ease to it. So could you picture losing weight while it feels simple and with a sense of ease? The way I think about it is, um, so sometimes when I do yoga, I struggle and it is not pretty, nor is it comfortable and it feels hard. And then there's other times where I get into a flow and everything seems to just flow. My body works and there's a sense of ease to it and it feels good. And that's what you want to work towards with your weight loss is you want to work to flow where it just, it's simple. There's little drama to it and it just works and it feels good. And the first step in getting towards flow is stop thinking that it's going to be hard. As long as you're thinking it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard. You're going to find this is a theme with all these beliefs is if you think these beliefs, they will come true. There'll be self-fulfilling prophecies. All right. Number sneaky belief number four, I won't be able to keep it off. And again, this is one of those beliefs that is born out of uh, your brain looking for evidence from your past attempts. And the problem with it is that if you believe you're not going to keep your weight off, you will not keep your weight off. You will get to your weight loss goal and then you will struggle because at your core, you believe it's not possible to do that. And so in order to uh, keep weight off, you need to believe that you have the ability to do it. You have to believe that you have the ability to problem solve whatever might happen. Because again, weight stuff is complex and everybody's body is different when it's in the maintenance. Everybody's life is different. Your life might change from when you lose the weight and are maintaining it to another point during your maintenance. And you just have to believe that you will be able to adapt and figure it out no matter what happens. All right, sneaky belief number five. I'm not good enough. And I know I've talked about this in different podcast episodes, but I can't tell you how many people I work with where really at the core, there is some element of believing that they are not good enough. And it's interesting kind of to reflect on where that comes from. I think it comes from all different areas. I think as physicians, even in like medical training, there's always that fear that you're just not quite measuring up and nobody's really told you that. <laughs> They're keeping it all secret from you. Uh, and a lot of us carry that I'm not good enough. And then, you know, we move on with life. You kind of lose having that constant validation from uh, getting grades and things like that. And you have to go out into practice without anybody telling you whether or not you are good enough. And if you don't practice believing that you are good enough, then this kind of, I'm not good enough starts to develop. And then you have, you know, other life challenges, right? Like you uh, have kids and you become a parent and then you feel that you're not good enough at being a parent. You're not good enough at balancing work and being a parent. Uh, you're not a good enough spouse. There's so many areas where your brain can decide you're not good enough. Uh, and it can be you're not good enough at losing weight too. But I often find this is more at the core of being. And I think this is a really important one to kind of check into yourself and see if it's there. Because if it's there, feeling that you're not good enough, feeling that you're inadequate in some way makes you feel bad. It makes you feel sad. It makes you feel self-doubt and uncertain and what ends up happening when you feel those ways is if you're an emotional eater you probably will have cravings to eat 
Um, and again, your brain keeps looking for evidence that you're just not quite good enough versus if you decide that this belief just doesn't serve you in any way and you choose a belief that you are good enough and that you are adequate, maybe you're even more than adequate. Wouldn't that be amazing? And you believe that, then your brain's going to look for evidence about how you are actually really good. Isn't it interesting where you can go through a whole day of practice or like a whole emerge shift? So I'm going to use emerge because this used to happen to me. I could see, you know, 30 odd people in emerge on an emerge shift and almost all of them feel like I did a good job. One patient could slightly undermine my confidence, like so difficult case, couldn't quite figure it out, a little bit worried about them, um, even though I don't think anything's going on, or, you know, even the ones where you get that kind of dreaded colleague thing where you come on your shift and they're like, oh, hey, do you remember Mr. So-and-so? Well, he came back and it turned out he had this. So that conversation where you miss something and by nature of working in emergency medicine, just like by nature of working on a lot of medicine, there are times where you're going to miss stuff. We're not perfect. We're human. We do our best. But what's really interesting with this is our brain then latches on to that one thing that we didn't feel we did quite good enough. It ignores all the other patients we saw that we feel that we actually did a really good job on and just kind of almost wipes them away and drills in and focuses on the one area. And sometimes when you really look at that one area objectively, like if you talk with a supportive colleague, maybe it's not even that big of a deal, right? Like maybe the thing you missed is actually you couldn't have found the first time you saw them, or it's really not that big of a deal and it didn't change their clinical outcome. Or, you know, there's so many different things, or maybe you worried about them, but everything actually was fine and you made the right call. But our brains, because they're programmed to think of the negative when they're left alone, focus right down to that negative thing and can obsess with it, right? Like can totally ignore all the people we saw that everything went well with and just focus on that one where it didn't. Um, And so recognizing that I'm not good enough is really somewhat of a factor of just your brain looking for negative evidence because it's been left alone and deciding that you don't want to do that anymore, that there's no benefit to you to beat yourself up about not being good enough. And there's actually probably better benefit to you, your patients, your family, everybody else in your life, if you intentionally decide to think that you are good enough and you focus your brain that way so it starts finding evidence on that side of the equation for you. Sneaky belief number six. Oh, this is a good one. I see this so much in everybody I work with is this isn't happening fast enough. And you know what is interesting? If we really examine this belief is our brains are like, it's not happening fast enough. So what do we do? We quit. So your brain, it's such a faulty logic, but it's one that happens to almost everybody is our brains are like it's not happening fast enough this isn't working so I will just go back to what I used to do which I know didn't work and I know didn't create weight loss at a fast rate like it's just faulty logic it doesn't make sense but it's something that we do and so the it's not happening fast enough generates often an emotion of like almost scarcity like you're not getting enough weight loss and it generates an emotion of probably some deprivation because you feel that you're doing all this and you're not seeing the rewards. The reality is when you're losing weight is you have control over what you eat. You have control over how often you eat. You have control over what type of physical activity you do. 
What you do not have control over is what your body chooses to do with those variables. So we can put, this is where the calories in minus calories out equaling weight loss falls apart, is we can put certain calories in, we can do certain activities, but there's a black box that is our body and our metabolism. And it is so variable. There's so many different things in there that our body can change on how much of the calories does it actually absorb? What does it do with those calories? How many calories does it burn when you're exercising? What does it do with your appetite afterwards? Uh, there's so many different variables that you can't actually control what your body does with those, um, with what you eat and what you um, do for activities. So what you focus on is what's in your control. How much you eat, how often you eat, what you eat, and how much physical activity you do. And then you have to trust that your body will know what to do with that and that it will do it at exactly the right time for itself. So you cannot control how quickly you lose weight. There are ways to like tweak the equation, but ultimately sometimes you can be tweaking it as hard as you feel you can and your body might not respond in the way that you want it to. I think also this thought is something to be wary of because often I catch people saying I'm not losing weight fast enough but when you actually talk to them they are losing weight at quite a reasonable rate and where the fast enough comes from is places outside of them so you know like if you're eating a lower carb diet and you're online there's tons of stories of people having super success with super rapid weight loss and that doesn't happen for everybody um, or at least not like in the really short term where people just drop like 30 pounds in a month. Not everybody has that. But if you're reading that and you're comparing yourself to it, it can feel like you're failing, even when you're actually being successful because you're losing weight. And I think that's, again, a brain trick. And it's where your brain is looking for negativity, not looking on what actually is working. So if you catch your brain doing it's not fast enough, I would suggest you focus back on what's actually working and you focus back on what's actually in your control. So, you know, are you being careful with what you eat? Are you, you know, eating a reasonable amount and trying not to overeat? Are you getting some physical activity? All those things that are actually in your control rather than focusing on the rate of your weight loss. Sneaky belief number seven. I just have to find the right diet or I just have to find the right way to do this or I just don't know what the right way or the right diet is. Those are all kind of lumped together. And interestingly, these beliefs uh, build confusion. And confusion is kind of an emotion that never gets you anywhere. Like when you're feeling confused, you kind of end up stuck in confusion and you don't end up making choices to make changes. And if you think about it from a standpoint of your brain, change is difficult, change is uncomfortable, and your brain likes predictable. Even if you feel like your current ways of life aren't really working for you, your brain still likes it because it knows that you survives. You you survive in this current way. So changing, often you get resistance about the idea of changing because your brain doesn't really want to change. So getting into confusion and letting yourself kind of wallow in confusion is a bit of a protective device for your brain and it likes to do it. Uh, confusion and overwhelm are often related and function the same way. So if you believe you don't know what to do, you will never figure out what to do. And here's the reality is there is no one right way to lose weight. Nobody can sit down and say, this is exactly what you need to do for your body to lose weight. 
people with expertise can give advice. But ultimately, what it comes down to is you need to try something and find out how it works for your body and in your life. And then you need to modify it. So as much as possible, I encourage you to not be skipping from one thing to another. I think you pick something and then you try it and then you modify it instead of totally changing everything. You modify what's not working, you keep what's working. And over time, that's what you end up developing a system for you. So it's not a diet that somebody else wrote. It's a system for you in your life that works for you. So if you feel you don't know what to do, you just have to pick one. So you have to believe that you actually do know what to do and choose something and start doing it. Because as long as you believe you don't know what to do or you don't know the right diet or whatever, you will just stay stuck in this limbo and you won't be taking action. So sneaky belief number eight is I should be able to still eat blank or I should be able to eat like so-and-so often looking to somebody that seems to be of a body size you like and seems to eat whatever they want. And this is a really undermining belief because it totally, you know, takes away from the fact that all of our bodies are individual. Our bodies all manage weight, manage appetite totally differently. And we can't compare ourselves to somebody else. Plus, when we're comparing ourselves to somebody else, we're looking at what they're doing in a very snapshot of time. So, you know, we see them do something, but they may do things that are totally different when we're not watching them. So, you know, somebody who's naturally thin and goes out, you might see them overeat, but maybe the rest of the day they actually eat very light and it kind of compensates in their particular body with their particular metabolism. And so really the comparison never helps. It makes, again, it makes you feel essentially inferior. So going back to that, other belief that you're just not enough. And it creates deprivation. So if you're like, I should be able to eat that, well, then you're going to feel deprived because you're not eating it. And then you're going to feel frustrated because when you do eat that, maybe you don't lose weight or maybe you gain weight. What you need to work on believing is that you can figure out the right way of eating that works for your body. And you can figure out a way of eating where you feel your best. And unfortunately, in our food society, that way of eating does not usually correspond with eating everything that's available to us. So in order to eat to feel our best physically, it usually means we have to say no to stuff that's out there that seems really tempting, that maybe we have eaten our whole life, that maybe lots of people around us eat. And we have to develop the ability of deciding not to eat that without feeling deprived. And so I did a whole podcast on feeling deprived, because I think it's so important, but you have to work on your thoughts so that you're happy with what you're eating. And you're not looking to the other food as a source of joy or comfort and feeling deprived when you feel you can't eat it. I remember one time back when I was still trying to figure out my own weight and I was driving and I just kind of realized, so I I think I was driving down our sort of main highway, like the main road in town, Uh, which of course passes a whole bunch of fast food, right? And I had this like, aha, that basically to be successful in my weight loss, I had to disconnect myself from modern food culture. So I had to just give up that idea that at some point I could return to eating the way I always had or eating, I'm using air quotes, like normal. Um, because as long as I held that belief that I should be able to eat that food or at some point I'll be able to eat that food, 
it, it wasn't helping. It was tripping me up. And as soon as I started eating that food, I wanted more of that food. And I would start gaining weight again and get off track. And so letting go of that idea of what I should be able to eat uh, was one of the biggest steps for me in my own personal weight loss. Okay, sneaky belief number nine, I'll just work that off. How many of us have done that where we're like, okay, I'm going to eat this, but I'll just do more exercise tomorrow. Um, and, you know, I think the big thing is this is a no-win situation. If you attach exercise to what you're eating, it, number one, makes exercise become this kind of compensa- compensation type tool. It, it takes away what we're trying to do with exercise, where it's something that you do as a positive for yourself. But it also doesn't work. So I know you can find calculators that tell you how many calories are in the food and how many calories you burn when you're on uh, exercise machine. But those are just math and they don't actually work in your body. So in order to say if you have something like a piece of cake, in order to exercise that off, you actually have to do a whole lot of exercise. And it's not a sustainable way to lose weight. And this is supported in the evidence that exercise only based weight loss programs aren't successful. Are again, that black box I talked about earlier, where your body can take what you eat and what physical activity you're doing and modify so many different variables within it. it happens here where you know, you could be trying to exercise really hard to make up for food you'd eaten, but your body might not actually burn as much calories, like it might dial down your metabolism while you're exercising. Or maybe it'll dial down your resting metabolism after you finish exercising. It's got so many different things it can do that make exercise not an effective tool. I really think when you want to lose weight, you have to fully come to an acceptance that the way you lose weight is you change how you eat and you change it consistently. As long as you think that there's these like um, loopholes where, okay, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I try to eat carefully, but when I overeat, I just make up for it with exercise. As long as you think that, you will be getting in your own way. You have to accept that the route to lose weight is watching what you're eating, being careful with what you're eating, and doing that consistently. And then, like I said, you exercise as a tool to improve your life, your health, your mental well-being, your stress, all that, because exercise is super important for that. But you don't use it as like a punishment for what you ate the day before. All right, sneaky belief number 10 is once I fall off the wagon, it is hard to get back on again. And again, this is a belief where it becomes self-fulfilling that A, if is self-fulfilling that you're going to fall off the wagon and B, that it will be difficult for you to get back on. And there's a lot of other beliefs that people have in this sort of thing. Like, well, since I've already done this, I've already blown it. I may as well keep going. That's kind of under the same category. And first of all, I think, you know, as much as possible, I think we need to move away from the concept of on the wagon, off the wagon. Like really, maybe the wagon should be when you're eating foods you don't usually and the being on the ground is your normal way of living which is when you're following your lower carb diet or whatever else you you choose to follow so when I'm beside the wagon I'm just living my normal life and that includes eating a lower carb diet 
and I have no place to fall. I can choose to get on the wagon and then I can choose to get off the wagon. And when I'm on the wagon in this scenario, you know, that's when I choose to eat foods that aren't lower carb, but then I also choose to get back to my normal. I choose to get off that, you know, sugary processed food type wagon that's, and get back to my normal, which is just low carb. I think that's actually a really good way to look at it. Instead of it being this thing that's out of your control, it's it's all in your control. And your normal actually needs to become what the way you're eating to lose weight. That has to become just your normal. And then you sometimes will still choose to eat food that's not normally on your plan. And that's when you decide to hop on one of those sugar wagons. But then you also hop off. And as long as you believe that you're in control of that and that it's not some difficult thing that's completely outside of your control, it will be easier. And the more you practice believing that, that you're just getting back to your normal, the more powerful that becomes. All right, so we have covered a whole lot of different beliefs that actually covers quite a wide range of areas that people get tripped up in weight loss. And like I said, by no means is this list exhaustive. There are so many other ways our brains trip us up. I just wanted to use the most common ones that I come across in working with patients and working with my coaching clients and in myself. Uh, But I would love to hear what your beliefs that are holding you back are. Uh, So send them to info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. And now for a quick disclaimer, this podcast contains general education information on weight loss for physicians. I'm not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing.